Welcome to Hope Beyond the Badge, a podcast that brings awareness, inspiration, and conversation together for first responders, families, and others interested in mental well-being in first response. New episodes weekly with your hosts, Jay Bailey and Linda Kokoros. Jay is a father, a military veteran, worked in the fire service for 18 years, and carries a diagnosis of PTSD. Linda is a mom, a wife, a certified life coach for first responders, and a suicide loss survivor of a first responder. Let's talk about it. On today's episode, we'll be speaking with John and Jackie Resigno. John is a fire captain and military veteran. John and Jackie are here today to discuss how trauma encountered through duty can impact a person's life and influence their relationships with others. John, Jackie, thank you both so much for joining us today on the podcast. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. Guys, thank you so much for coming in today um, and chatting with us. Tell us a little bit about yourselves, your family, kids, where you live, etc., um, John and I are originally from Saugus. We met when we were 12 and we went to middle school together. Um, and we reconnected later in life after he got home from the military. Um, we are 40 years old. We live in Wilmington, Massachusetts now. Uh, John's a fire captain. Um, and I am a contract manager for a restaurant company. And we have two children, um, twins, five years old, a boy and a girl, Genevieve and John Jr. And we have a golden retriever who's two, who pretty much tears up our entire house. <laughs> I know all about that puppy stuff. We have a young puppy too, does the same thing. Yeah, we love you know the sports, the dance. We're always busy on the weekends. Uh, we love to travel with the kids and New Hampshire, you know, Winnipesaukee, things like that. So we love being outside. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing. Uh, what branch of the military were you in, John? Uh, the Army Guard. Enlisted originally as a, because they were at this point, at that point, um, they were prepping for the invasion of Iraq. So, you know, how the uh, recruiters like to uh, entice people and whatnot. So, they were the WMD thing was a big thing at the time. So that's what I ended up like kind of going down the road for that. Cause it was a quick ship. So, uh, then deployed to Iraq in Oh four Oh five, um, was up in, um, the Beijing Iraq area, Bob Summerall, and then, uh, down at Butler range complex, um, which was, uh, east of Baghdad. Well, Thank you for your service, John. Uh, you mentioned weapons of mass destruction. Did did you work uh, with explosive ordnance? Uh, no, I was uh, I was chemical operations. We were we were going over there to mitigate any um, any uh, anything that they found. Okay, all right. That was that was our initial mission. Obviously, that didn't happen. Our and our actual mission was not that after that, but it just became you know general convoy fox you know security stuff did you go through mcclellan 
Fort McClellan, or was that after the Chemical Corps had moved to Leonard Wood? It was. It was uh, moved. It went. Uh, I went over to Fort Leonard Wood. And now you're a fire captain. Is that something that you always knew? Like, did you always know that you wanted to work in the fire service, or is that something that you you decided after you completed your military service? Kinda, I guess. Uh, a little bit. I, w- I was always kind of drawn to it. Um, I wasn't exactly sure at that point. Uh, like when I was younger, like kind of at getting out of high school, and I knew that going in the military would increase my chances to get on and all that stuff too. So um, that was one of the many reasons of why I kind of went down the military path to try and get myself into the, my foot in the door. I mean, I didn't get on right after I got back either. It took a little while. Can you tell us a little bit more about Iraq, just about your time there and uh, about maybe how it impacted you? No, yeah, I definitely um, lost some weight over there. Um, just because it, that was one of the things just because of the stress you're always like you're always working and you're going 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 so and then when your chow hall gets blown up then you don't have really a place to eat so then you kind of you know kind of do the ramen noodle thing for a while and then uh but yeah i lost weight kind of just become like kind of desensitized to things a, a little bit you um I, I I remember one one night um uh an R, an RPG blew up, you know, it hit the Hesco barrier in front of our that was in front of our barracks, in front of the barracks I'm in. And the other guy I'm with just started laughing. Like it's it's like you know, so it's yeah, you become very, very desensitized over there. Wow. What was the experience like for you, John, while you were there? In general, like can you give us a breakdown of what that experience was like for you um, in the military? For me, I mean, uh, I definitely don't regret going in the military at all. Um, it def- it w- it does uh, give you some good skills and, you know, uh, it, the value, I guess the values or, that they try to kind of build on or encourage are, are like good core values to help like if, especially for people that are kind of like at that point in their life where they are they don't know which way they're going to go college isn't really their way and you know and it's either that or you become a townie and go down that road uh so yeah. was it hard yeah. for you when you when you came home like you said that you didn't like go right into the fire department yeah did you was it hard for you to like settle back into normal everyday life. I don't, think I, I don't I don't think I've ever settled back into normal everyday life. Okay. Do you want to share a little bit about that? I don't think anyone does. You you when you go to if, when you go to war you or yeah or you see the things that you see in the job that we do, it I don't know what the the term normal really is with that because you be, you you be, you become jaded. You know, you see, I mean, you can see some really amazing like bits of humanity, but then you also see like the atrocities of humanity, like torture chambers and people that work, you know, in the victims of those things. And, yeah, you know, it's just you know, 
so it's it's all it's going to it it hardens you a little bit yeah so um obviously through from that experience you having you have a diagnosis of ptsd and trauma right um experience how has that been for you like as far as when you came back from the military did you get did, did you get treatment right, right away or did you know what you were experiencing uh no uh, i think um early on it, um in that port like at the early on in the war i think they i don't think they really were um anticipating uh the uh the impacts of like prolonged like two front combat can have on the troops. So um, yeah, it's, and it's when it, it's like, an, you know, uh, I don't think that they were prepared for that. You know, it's like a whole concept of urban warfare. You're like, it just creates a whole atmosphere that I don't think the military was prepared for at that point or the VA. And um, I, it took me a while to kind of even acknowledge, I guess, that I had like an actual problem. It was more just go through the motions like, oh, you know, I'll go to the VA, get checked out, you know, like, you know, just to get my foot in the door like they told me to. Yeah. Um, but no one directed us. No one directed me like, oh, you know, you should start here and go down this road or it, that. I honestly, it, I've been home, I don't know, uh, it's 60 uh 20, almost whatever it is now 2004 or whatever right almost 20 years at this point and it wasn't until after leaving home base in this year it like going through home base stuff i really was introduced to what the v like on the va side because the va kind of like kind of picked up it's like they they were able to kind of like have a liaison that really put effort in and opened up all these like different programs that I have no idea existed for the VA at all. It sounds like attending uh, the VA home base program that you, you possibly have been able to embrace some healing for yourself. Yeah. Once I started, when I, once I went, um, I kind of got involved over at the uh, MGH home, um, with home base, uh, in focused getting like, uh, care there, their approach was a lot more unique and just kind of, it was, it, it's just effective. It works like very well. I, I mean, for in my opinion, it's helped tremendously. Um, but I, I guess I'm only, that's me. I, I don't know how it is on the other side with Jackie on her side, but <laughs> Don't worry, we're going to ask Jackie herself. <laughs> <laughs> I've wanted to jump in a bunch of times, but I, I'm holding myself back. Yeah, I, but the, <laughs> the thing is, is that like when he when he came home from from the military, right? You reconnected when yeah. he came back, right? 
Yeah, but at that time it was weird because there wasn't a lot of people in our hometown that had gone deployed. So anybody that did deploy, like their names were on the, you know, the town hall and they're coming home. And so everybody knew that he had deployed. I knew John from when he was in middle school and he was like a very goofy kind of crazy kid. So in one way, the military, I think, did help him grow up, but he can't, he did come back a different person. And it was kind of like known around town that he wasn't the crazy kid he was you know, when he was younger. So, um, so I hadn't really noticed too much of a difference though, until we really got to know each other. Yeah. So you started to know, notice that some, there might be something off when you did start to get to know him a bit. Um, I am not, I didn't come from a military family. My dad, um, he might've been in the reserves, um, during Vietnam. And so my family was not involved in the military fire or anything like that. So I had no idea about PTSD or anything that had to do with the things that he had seen and the things that maybe you see in the fire and police service. So I guess I was naive. I grew up same as John though, like middle class, you know, middle to low class in Saugus and, um, you know, um, had a pretty nice life. Um, um, but, so when I met John, you know, we had a normal type of relationship, but there were some things in the beginning that I noticed that were different that I was, you know, we knew of the PTSD um, diagnosis, but I didn't really fully understand what it meant. It just felt like a word that was connected to his name, but I hadn't really looked into what it actually was until we started maybe 10 years later. I just ended up altering my life around some of the things that I noticed. And we just lived that way for 10 years. Um, and I didn't even realize that that was connected to PTSD. I didn't realize there was anybody else that had symptoms like that. Uh, wow. I thought it was just very unique to him. Wow. Do you want to share with us some of those things that you noticed? Some of the symptoms of, you know, PTSD, there's, you know, the nightmares. I don't know if John, you know, want me to, I mean, these are very the standard symptoms, but I had never seen anyone that had experienced nightmares before and they're real. Like I had read about them, but they are real. I would see them. Um, and, and, and I didn't know if I should wake them up and, uh, lots of, you know, symptoms with insomnia and sleep, lots of problems with that. Um, you know, difficulty concentrating on things. I mean, John's very, very smart. He is going to law school this year coming up, but diff difficulty with concentration. Um, whenever we would go out in public, um, always wanting to, you know, be hyper vigilant, looking around, not wanting to be in places where there was a lot of people. Like, we haven't gone to Disney World yet. We're going to hold off on that, I think. Um, you know, places like that, I would always avoid. Um, I would just kind of try to, you know, make his life a little bit less stressful by taking over. And, and it kind of come nat naturally with like a firefighter wife, the husband isn't home, the wife takes over and tries to take charge. And it just became a natural flow in our life. So we avoid a lot of we avoided a lot of situations. Um, you know, any any type of um, conflict in public um, irritability and things like that so I would just you know kind of get us out of the situation quickly so I also became very hyper vigilant of my surroundings and where we were going and if there was easy ways to get out um, so I became very hyper vigilant myself yeah so basically um counteracting or what, what needed to happen to yeah be comfortable yeah yeah, yeah. and you know, and it wasn't, I guess I would say it wasn't too bad as we were in the early stages of our relationship. But then, I mean, from what I've heard, I would say it was after the tornado. 
that it got worse. <laughs> we had a tornado hit our house when we were living in Romania. And I was home. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if that maybe triggered something because John was home. And when it, 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 it hit the house, it actually did hit the house and we had to move and things like that. And and um, we moved in with his parents. Um, so it, it, right before our wedding. So like a, another type of like big event like that maybe could re-trigger things. Um, yeah. Maybe after COVID can re-trigger. So and as time goes on, it doesn't go away if it's left untreated. And it's not just PTSD, trauma in general. If it doesn't get treated, it continues to build upon itself and get worse from, from our experience. So yeah. that's what kind of led us to home base. I would imagine that being in close proximity to a tornado is going to have some kind of an emotional impact on anyone that has also been in close proximity to wartime explosions. Anytime there's fireworks, he, I love fireworks. My kids were born on the 5th of July, so I was in labor on the 4th of July. Fireworks, John can't do fireworks. He, you know, things like that. Um, you know, he's very hypervigilant with that stuff, so we try to avoid that. Well, I can do them if I know they're happening. If he's doing the fireworks himself. Or yeah. I'm watching them and I know they're happening, but if, if someone just starts lighting them off, that's just like, that's a different story. And fireworks is sort of a clear example of a trauma reaction. And then there's others that are a lot more subtle and, and more difficult to recognize. Jackie, it, it sounds like along the way you were able to recognize a sort of disruptive presence in your lives, but not necessarily aware that, that those disruptions were actually trauma symptoms. And then you got to home base and came to that awareness through whatever information and services they provided was that a relief like to come to a deeper or better understanding and to know that that there is help and people do recover yes it was i i mean it was i guess it wasn't until i was in the program that when they put up on the screen what the symptoms were i mean i cried during the program i have two days of an intensive therapy for us um, or educational, they would say it was because um, we weren't actually a patient, your, your support person in that program. Um, I didn't realize that anybody else and it was it was interesting because there was like 20 or 30 men with the exact same thing and all of the support people with the exact same thing. Every word on that screen fit it to a T. I mean, there's other things like included in different types of trauma, you know, possibly from childhood and everybody's different. They may have had addictions and alcoholism, but at, around the PTSD symptoms specifically, it was like literally everything I had dealt with for the past 10 years. And um, it was like, okay, like, you know, we can, we can do something with this. Like there, you know, we can like this, this is not just who you are. This is a, a symptom of, of things. And, and maybe I can learn ways to, to help here. Was it sort of a relief for you when you did the virtual training to see the slides on the screen? Oh, definitely. It, it was definitely a relief because, um, because I didn't, I just thought, I guess this was his personality <laughs> and I wasn't sure if there was, you know, and this is probably a lifelong thing for us. It depends on the situation for everybody with PTSD, um, you know, whether it's like a one-time event and you do certain um, therapy and then you're healed from it. This is probably going to be a never ending um, lifelong journey for us. 
And um, it's like getting a diagnosis of, you know, some other type of disease. It's a, this is a mental illness. And, and um, you, you just learn how to alter your life, you know, around it and work on healing. I just, I wish we had, I feel like the programs that are coming out now, they weren't available five or six, maybe they were, but we weren't aware of them. And the the help that we were receiving felt a little bit like a Band-Aid instead of taking the Band-Aid off and figuring out what the problem is underneath the Band-Aid. And yeah. I just thought that's how it always was. This is the only help that we can get. Um, but I had found out about that program home base because I just, um, I do, I used to do the runs that they had and I enjoy running and that's how I found out about them. Otherwise I'm not sure John would have known about it. Um, wounded warrior has been around for a while. We also are connected with them. Um, but home base was a little bit different and, um, and we were really excited to be a part of that. I want to get into asking John about being a firefighter, if that's okay. John, you've started to recognize your symptoms of PTSD and trauma, right? And have started a process of healing, working with your family and, um, and on yourself. But as a firefighter, is that difficult to talk about within your department? Can we talk about that culture a little bit? It's a very unique kind of culture. Um, it's, I mean, it's literally like, like you have a second family, basically. I mean, there's not many places or other types of careers other than like the military where you, I mean, I, I spend at least a hundred days a year with these guys, you know, I, in the we live together, eat together, everything. So, and it's for 30 years, you know, so, yeah. um, uh, so you can, you know, it's definitely very unique. Um, when it relates, obviously, um, it's also, you know, has a lot of uh, veterans concentrated in it, you know, so we, come existing like coming already with baggage anyways and it's um and then whatever else like you know uh, jackie had mentioned earlier you know like like whatever existing childhood you know whatever stuff free uh job stuff but um i think it's getting better the culture a little bit with regards to stress and behavioral health and um those those aspects uh in particular with the fire service um but i mean i think that you know everyone's are every when you're a firefighter you think cancer right uh but in all reality more firefighters die every year from suicide than they do with fires more cops die every year from suicide than from shootings it's they it, it they're thinking it's almost double the amount at or you know with some of those uh some of the studies out there and it's you know i think that is more of a concern than or i mean you can't like you know compare which is worse because it's they're both terrible it's just i think um you know with the iff you know with you know them like starting that center of excellence it's starting to kind of pull that like uh pull the curtain back a little bit uh i know from my department personally now we've become a lot more um proactive with that uh you know when if we get it if i i'll get notified you know by our command staff if in the event of a uh, a major incident um and then we'll from our union side and the department side follow up and you know have them you know just kind of check do, do kind of check-ins and whatnot and then the same thing you know same with you know 
because with with this job, it's you know the, the the statistics are you know I forget what the what it is, but I think it's like twenty five thirty percent what more likely Jay to uh, become addicted to alcohol and drugs on top of that, and uh, so it's just a uh, it it can be a very tough culture um, if so, if you're struggling sometimes to be like right now because you have this mix of old and new and it's still not like you know 100 percent you know you know i mean we're not going to sit around probably and open up and share feelings like you see on you know well, this, some of the shows well this is the thing that we're trying to do here is you know we're hope beyond the badge and um you know uh, we lost our son four and a half years ago with the police officer um, in Abington and um, you know since then I mean I can't unknow what I know now since we lost him right um, mm-hmm. with all the other stuff that I know now of people struggling and, and, and not going and get help and um, being scared of being judged you know there's that judgment that stigma and also fear of like losing their job um, so but at the same time, we want to we want to ultimately see conversation, talk, and normal in in your department. It's needed, right? Because mm-hmm. if it if the only if you guys only talked a bit more about I'm I'm struggling here after this whatever incident and after being at yeah. um I'm struggling I'm having a hard time with this and I need to get help rather than worrying about. Well, what are they going to think of me? I'm like mm-hmm. a what's so whatever else they they want to you you fear you fear of. Yeah. So, um, we want to we want to make talking a normal about mental yeah. health and issues and really you know being honest about your feelings. Otherwise, how can you start healing? How can you start getting better or recovering from um what you're going through? I- so, I can't agree more. It's, most, it is it, odd, though. I will. I will say. I mean, Jay, maybe you could. You. Know, you I don't know what your uh, experience is with it, but it, it's a. It's one of those places where we won't bring it up, but if someone if someone is struggling or has that or is on like kind of down with themselves, I've. It's you know, a pretty, um, good group in that sense. Like if someone's struggling, they'll be able to try. They'll try and help pick them off but no one wants to see someone but it's just getting there and trying to intervene you see so many guys struggling hard yeah i yeah i i agree with that you mentioned uh, living in close proximity right eating dinner together you know it's it's the firehouse is a home and it's also Mm -hmm. a veteran heavy culture and that baggage comes along with it i think it takes tremendous strength to reach out for help and i think that's overlooked I think uh, the first responder population, you know, we we are of we're rescuers, right? So uh, that's that's serves as a barrier to finding that strength to reach out and say, uh, you know, I'm I'm the person that needs help, uh, especially to our coworkers, to our brothers and sisters. It shouldn't. Uh, hopefully, conversations like the ones that we're one that we're having right now will uh, contribute to change. Uh, but you mentioned after a, after a major incident, sometimes uh, you know you would be contacted, and then you you know you check in with people. 
that's a change in the culture right there. That's that's yeah. things going the right way. I'm wondering if you've had anybody ever reach out to you for help. Uh, so it wasn't a mandated check-in. If somebody ever said, mm-hmm. "Hey, I'm not yeah. doing well," um, if there were resources available, if if those resources were successful, because I agree with, mm-hmm. with one of the, well, I agree with all the points that you made, but specifically the one where somebody does have the strength to say, "Hey, uh, I'm not doing well." I'm drinking myself to sleep. I'm angry all the time. Whatever they're able to squeak out and admit that things ain't perfect and they could use some help when that moment happens and they are connected to the right resources, it often leads to positive results. Yeah. And uh, I'm wondering if you've had any experience with that. Um, to an extent, uh, I would say I've had people reach out um, that were, you know, uh, either struggling a little bit with, you know, like you said, drugs or alcohol or whatnot. Um, I've offered, uh, you know, services to, to, to members that I think, or um, I've been like, or based on my conversations with them, maybe in a tough spot. Um, there's only, I think been like one or two, I, one or two, I, I'd say that have actually like kind of disclosed like, really like said, Hey, I am having a tough time here, you know, um, unfortunately, but the data shows that, you know, you can go get treatment and then come back and you're, you're able to kind of go back to work. I mean, it's not like they don't invest lots of money into us, you know, I mean, the government has spent a lot of money into us for our training. Right. I mean, between the military, between this and all that, you know, it's, you know, might as well spend the money on some healing too. Well, it's cheaper, and it all, not, but it's also cheaper to like have someone go get treatment than it is to retrain someone. You're taking all that experience, all that knowledge away forever. That's right. And you mentioned the word experience, which I think is an important word when it comes to the conversation about trauma and first response. Because mm-hmm. if you have someone that's been doing the job for a long time, it does add up. And if they are emotionally balanced, if they have a sense of mental well-being because they've found some healing, then that's what it is. It's experience that can be relied upon in future calls. And uh, and if they don't, then it continues to add up in a different way. It continues to, uh, it continues to derail, have a negative impact on, on the individual and, and, uh, and families. And families. Yes, ma'am. Yes. Yeah. Um, Jackie, do you want to chime in there? <laughs> yeah, I don't even know where to start with that. Let me recap for you, Jackie. We left off where John was talking about the departments um, getting better, sort of being like proactive. Um, but in a nutshell, John had said, Jordan, his you know career so far, eat, sleeping, and drinking with these guys every day, that up to now, maybe two guys have come to him seeking help. And we know there's a lot more guys needing help for sure. Um, myself and Jackie, we, we talked about, um, had a conversation off air earlier on um, about guys who get help, that they're not weak. They're not the weak ones. Um, I wrote it down, Jackie, because I got goosebumps when you said it to me. Um, so do you want to talk about that? What I meant. By that is because even the stigma is still there as much as we want to say that it's not as an outsider I know a lot that goes on in these fire departments and 
these are very serious issues that nobody's approaching these people about and they're just kind of like oh I don't want to butt in I'm gonna stay out and and I understand that part of it but at the same time it's like we know things are going on and we're not doing anything and you're just sitting there wait so it's it's a weird kind of dynamic but um what even us coming on this podcast this is new I had never told anybody about the things that we were going through for 10 years Mm -hmm. um my mom um, would be the only person I would talk to because she was the only one that understood. I didn't have any friends that I had a few firewife friends. I didn't have any friends that had military husbands. Um, nobody understood. And they, and if I had said the things that we were going through, they would just think that that was completely up, like crazy. Um, but everybody in the program seemed to understand. So even I asked John, are you sure you want to go on this? Are you sure you want to let people know that we went to the home base program. So there's still a stigma. And then we said, you know what? What are they going to say? You're a loser. Are they going to say, oh, you're a loser because you got help and you're bettering your life. You're bettering it for your wife and your children. You're creating a, a gen, a, like removing generational trauma from your life. Like that's cool. Like that's yeah. attractive. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, mature, emotionally regulated people find that to be a leader like that's what a leader is a leader is not you know like drinking away your problems and and trying to you know ruin your whole family and the divorce rate in the fire and the police it's there for a reason because it's not just because these people are not nice or you know it's it's because there's probably mental illness there from years of trauma that Mm -hmm. marriages can't survive unless we have the tools to learn how to deal with these type of industries. Um, Like I said, I was never dated a fire, never dated a policeman. And so this was all new to me. I didn't have the tools. So I hope that by sharing this, you know, that John and I are kind of like a team, like, well, they can call us losers together because I don't think you're a loser. My kids don't think you're a loser. My mom, you know what I mean? If that's it, that's all I care about. And I'm hoping that maybe this will reach a wife or a spouse or a partner or anybody that thinks that they're alone in this and they're not, you know, there, there's other people out here like you and you can get help and you don't, it doesn't have to be the way it is. You can live a different life. Yeah. Still be a firefighter if you want, or maybe you need to get out of the profession and that's okay too. Yeah. What would you like to see like as a firefighter wife, who has gone through struggles in the in the family unit because yeah. of you know John's PTSD and trauma and the whole stuff that has been going on like what would you like honestly like what would you like to see happen like in fire departments for guys getting help for your husband to be able to get help and freely be able to talk about it it's going to take a while, I think, for this to break through, but it takes it takes some strong people to kind of stand up and be different than everybody else. And people are going to probably listen to this and think, oh, you know, they're not tough or, you know, they are. They're going to say that. But it doesn't matter to us um, what people say. You have to stop worrying about what everybody else is thinking and worry about yourself and your own family and, and how to get through the days sometimes. Take one day at a time. But I think it needs to be brought into the departments, maybe by, you know, the top people start bringing people in to learn and teach, bring in the families, like get the family back in there, get the communities back together. And it's not just like a, 
It's not going to be the guy at your department that's going to get you all the help that you need. It's like a village. So everybody needs to be connected. You got to stop going against each other and fighting against each other. Like I couldn't do this alone. I needed home base. I need uh, my mom. I needed a lot of people to help here. So it yeah. takes, a, it takes a village, you know, and, and, and the resources are still not fully out there to a lot of people yet. So when you start talking about, Hey, I went to home base, like, or I went to this other program, it, it maybe will get in somebody's ear uh, that it's not that hard to get set up with this, you know, and it's, it's, it's not that weird to do something like this. Yeah. It's really not. When, when I yeah. initially reached out for help, I was, um, I was pretty vocal about it in my department. Uh, for yeah. some reason, John hit on earlier, like the intimacy of the culture was sitting there, you know, breaking bread together, a couple meals a day, living together. And, um, and I knew that there was other people that were having problems as well. And, and I wasn't comfortable, wasn't my place to point at them and, mm -hmm. and, you know, speak to them. So instead I just started talking about my own stuff because this, you know, it was, it was a process, but I was beginning to have, you know, a weight removed from me. And I wanted that for other people that, that I could tell was suffering uh, similarly to the way that, that I was. And I was surprised that those critiques I expected never came, right? Like people weren't saying, what's he talking about? And I was surprised by that, that uh, nobody was mocking the fact that I was bringing up, hey, uh, you know, we're all we're all a little screwed up and it makes, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, Jackie, I think you made a, a really good point earlier that other cultures don't experience this, right? These types of, of regular encounters with trauma. If somebody uh, works in retail and their coworker falls from a ladder and, and breaks their leg yeah. and they come home, what happens? They, that has overtaken their perspective, you know? So-and-so fell off the ladder, broke their leg, and, you know, it's that's that's what's, what's going on. And it's something that uh, within our culture, it, it wouldn't even come up in conversation yeah. for reasons that, that make sense but ultimately add up and are detrimental to our mental health, especially with the more serious and more traumatic calls. And then we go to our kids' soccer games or wherever we go and we're balled up and uncomfortable and everybody can feel that energy and yeah. we don't want to talk about it, right? Um, and I think those of us that have 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 gotten some help realize that, that talking about it's kind of the only way. Um, yeah. So... I applaud you I think, being here talking about it. I think that's a good way to put it too, is that by like yeah. kind of talking about your own thing and slipping in, you know, how you got help for it, it seems to open it up to other people to ask questions and some yeah. of the resources and, and, and there's resources for the families too. It's not just the um, person that's struggling. It's the whole family. So yeah. that, you know, and, and I was surprised that John was, open to talking about it because he's a very closed off type of person so when he said he was okay with doing this because i'm you know kind of out there a little bit loud and stuff and uh and john's not so i was really proud of him that he actually is doing this this is a big deal for him to do too one thing about like a lot of the guys going and getting help or seeking help you know unfortunately uh, a lot of the times it's it's they're seeking help when it's in crisis you know yeah. when at a stage where they're in crisis that they they're rock bottom and nowhere to go um i mean it would be 
lovely if there's any listeners out there or not lovely shouldn't be the word but it'd be nice um if there's first responders listening out there to say you know what it's okay to they not be okay and it's okay to talk about this type of stuff don't let it get to a crisis situation before you go and seek help um and again like what you said jackie it's it's not only the first responder or veteran that is you know going through that it's the whole family right it affects the whole family who are close around that person um that it affects everybody and I would say sometimes the person that's struggling can't see how deep they're struggling. So like if you are a support person or a wife or a spouse or a friend, like um, and you see something that seems, you know, abnormal, you should say something, <laughs> say something and, yeah. and 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 try to guide them in the right direction, um, because it's like. They're, if they're that low, they may not guide themselves where they need to go. So that's where the education part comes in for the spouse to learn about what what to look for and what to be aware of and to not, you know, not give up and not just kind of take an approach of, you know, this isn't the type of marriage that I want. Obviously, in our situation, there's something going on that's deeper and that comes first. So um, it takes, you know, it takes you to take a step back and to try to really take a look at what's going on with this person. Yeah. And it might not just be the way they are. There might be bigger issues. Yeah. What would you say to a uh, first responder spouse, like um, a wife spouse? What would you, what advice would you give? Um, go would, through your own healing as a family right now. What would I you think, say? yeah, there's also this like kind of stigma for the wives to also be tough, take care of everything. Um, you know, don't talk about anything and just, you know, um, also be very tough. And I've tried to be tough for 10 plus years. And, and, you know, um, I would say, uh, don't give up, you know, make sure that you're safe and that everything is, you know, you have boundaries in place. But um, don't don't give up if you haven't, you know, haven't tried an option that possibly could help with mental illness, you know, and, and maybe put um, the marriage on hold if you need to, to make sure that, you know, the person is healthy, um, because you're not going to be able to fix a marriage if a person is unhealthy. So if you're a wife or a spouse, I would say, you know, take a step away from your marriage and, and look at them as a human being that may be having struggles, but don't try to do it on your own. It's a lot to take on on your own, um, because you're dealing with the mental illness or the struggles on a daily basis and then you're actually trying to guide them to get help but you also need to get help yourself probably i go to a, a trauma therapist myself um and they help me work through you know as john's going to his i go to mine so i would highly suggest that you also get your own but i would suggest that it's someone that's very educated in the specific area that you want to work on if it's ptsd find someone that deals with ptsd i have had a therapist that just say, oh, take a bath, get some self-care, bubble bath. You know, that doesn't solve complex trauma as, you know, a family member. So addiction, alcohol, all those things. Um, so really research and find somebody. And that's why I loved Home Base because they had very specified uh, doctors in that specific area. And there's other programs. Home Base is not just the, the one, you know, counselors that know what they're talking about that maybe have been in this industry that understand um and john has experienced that as well right john like with you know yeah 
finding I mean, it, counselors and therapists that aren't trained yeah, in this I, area. Yeah, I, I think it, you you need to have someone that um, is familiar with <clears throat> not just the area, but um, for like on our side, it's got to be someone that's familiar with our type of lifestyles uh, or our current like in our it's a different livelihood. You know, it's a different mentality. Uh, it's and it, we're, we're a profession that will literally Jay said he was like waiting for someone to laugh at him and at, at the kitchen table right you know we'll, we'll laugh at someone when they come in and it, like for for uh, you know getting hurt but uh, between each other and stuff but then it's you know whatever it's a weird environment so I think it's it's absolutely like you know you have these organizations like uh, Fraternal Order of firefighters military veterans and you know that are local organizations that are i think trying to um kind of bridge this gap a little yeah. where it's run by local firefighters in the area that are familiar with you know familiar with the people in the communities and relate to them um you know one of the guys that um on my old department he's he was involved in it he's you know he had some he, he was he's a vet had some issues and same thing got involved with this and wants realize, you know, something needed to get done to change it. So might as well try and do make do something. Yeah. Well I know from from going through our trauma ourselves as a family, um, with losing Alex that um diving into helping others find a, a way of healing has been such a, a thera a therapy for me personally. And uh, I know you doing this, doing this together, like the podcast, right, for us, um, has definitely also been uh, some rewarding part of healing. Um, I can only speak for myself. I can't speak for Jay. But it has been definitely rewarding um, for us doing this podcast and talking and interacting with um, folks like yourself. But, John, I I just have to touch a little point on here. What does it feel like for you Mm-hmm. having Jackie be so supportive um, of you helping you heal? I would love to hear this one. <laughs> um, <laughs> Keep this recording, uh, please. Because I, I have so much admiration for you and, um, you know, it has to feel good anyway inside. It has to. That's what yeah, I'm, I mean. Like, I, yeah, I, I mean, um, me. Yeah, it's definitely helpful. I it, it, and it's I I don't I don't think I, I would have been able to do any of this stuff without her help and being there. I don't. It's there's no way I would have been able to kind of you know get to this point at yeah. all. Like without without her, um, my uh, it's just you know I her her mother same thing. You know, has been very supportive. Um, the two of them have been super supportive to me and helpful and you know I don't know uh, I don't know really what I don't I don't think it would have been I don't think that the, the alternative is like uh, would have been healthy for me yeah I love that you recognize that um, you know that she is a, a very huge supportive um, factor in, in your healing part of life 
And I, I, I also heard you say the word, you know, I don't feel I would get, I wouldn't be at this point where I am now, you know? Mm -hmm. And also recognizing that you are healing and you are, you know, a little bit better off than when you were before you started any any programs. So, oh yeah, you know, that's on the road to health, right? Healthy healing. Mm -hmm. That's good. Yeah. Like yeah. that. Yeah, you we're in a, there? yeah, we're in a totally different place than we were last year. Um, and it, it took, you know, from when we decided to do this, we had talked about it two years ago. And then it took a whole nother year before we even did it. And that took almost an intervention um, for it to happen. So when, you know, <clears throat> I, I don't want other people to have to go through that. And, and um, but, but you, that's what I said when I say, don't give up, you know, and I, and it, it wasn't, it, you know, it was, it was slow because it needed to be that way for us, but this is three years in the making of trying to start the process to heal. Um, so we're excited about, you know, where we're headed, um, and and it definitely we've definitely changed uh, we're not the same people we were it's almost like starting over yeah um, but john is a beautiful person with like so smart and i just didn't want my kids to miss out on that and i was like i'm gonna not gonna stop until i fight for my kids you know to have the person that i know um and not this mental illness or you know struggle take over yeah i love that it's not easy, I will say, but I encourage other people to try to get as educated as they can and, you know, to, to lean on other wives or spouses or friends like Linda, you know, people that know, that understand, um, yep. that don't judge because it, it can be a very judgmental thing, you know, to talk about those type of problems because they think, you know, some of the problems are just like you brought on to yourself, but there's things underneath that cause those problems. Yeah. And you can always connect with me anytime. Thank you, Linda. You're amazing. Oh, thank you. You are too. <laughs> so what I, I just want to sort of end um, today, you know, by saying thank you for coming in. John, I, I hope that you continue on with... Um, always open open to um different types of treatment that are going to be helpful for you um and continuing on with that never give up and and also jackie yourself like continuing on to be his support person um through all of this um i mean if I'm listening in tonight, if I'm going to be a spouse or, or someone listening in tonight, I'm going to be like, wow, this is one strong yeah. woman. Oh, thank um, you. Yeah, oh, this is one strong woman that is very, very supportive of um, her husband. And, um, you know, you're definitely a guiding light for others that are going to be listening in. Um, yeah, that the struggle is real. It's out yes. there. And, um, and it's not easy um, going through that every day, but you definitely make it, you know that, hey, this is worth it um, to help our family uh, heal through it all. And uh, John, I, I wish you the best. And uh, oh, thank you. continue on with your healing. Continue on to, you know, encourage guys in your department um, to talk about 
um, really how they're feeling, not just like, you know, hey, I'm, I'm drinking no, I, too much, yeah, no, whatever I, it might yeah. be, that type of stuff. But like, I'm hoping that the departments will start to continue to recognize that it is there. And if the rates of first responders and firemen and police officers are still suicide, the numbers are still way up there. Well, then guess what? This still is a huge issue. Yeah. And I mean, there's um, a great research paper that was published by the Ruderman Foundation in Newton, and it just highlights all of these issues that, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's an old, it's a, it's a real problem. Yeah. And I, I don't think, um, you know, it's acknowledged because, you know, oftentimes people don't really think that we're really, uh, you know, there's a person behind it that goes home to their family. Yeah. You know? And, and we all need to realize that for sure. And I know that I'm never going to stop talking uh, to make it um, that, that it's a norm. I'm never going to stop talking. Um, I'm always going to be heard. And I know this guy is never going to stop talking. So, um, and I'm, I'm hoping that, that today's podcast will also help you to continue talking about and being open about your own struggles. Um, and thank you for coming on. Tonight. No, we thank you for having me. I mean, thank you, you for uh, having us. Yeah, no, thank you. Yeah, I, I feel lucky we met doing. you. Well, I feel equally as lucky. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's no, it's awesome what you're doing. It's really great, and uh, just that it like it's definitely been like it was definitely uh like another challenge that I was able to like kind of overcome. Yeah, this, this. Yeah. So I appreciate that. Well, it wasn't too bad, right? No. <laughs> There you go. Another step towards healing. Yes, another step towards healing. It's about opening up. I I think that you guys are are setting a a powerful example for other people that just haven't, like, had the courage to start healing yet. I know that when I, uh, I mean, life's always a struggle to some degree, but when, when I was really suffering, if I heard a fire captain on a podcast talking about reaching out for help, and having his life get better, and then like listening to you both speak about your marriage in, in terms of improvement, I mean, that would have been quite a message for me to hear during that time. And I, I think it would have given me hope. Hope and courage to start healing, Jay, right? Yes, ma'am. I just want to um, finish off up by saying that John and Jackie are in this together um, as a family going through healing and figuring it out as they as they go. They're an inspiration to myself and Jay. Their commitment shines true in the interview. We hope um, that other veterans who are first responders do the same and stand up for your mental well-being. You deserve that. Till next time.